Hello, podcast 14. Hi, Katie. How are you? Good. And you? I'm doing great. Just back from Vegas on the weekend. Just wanted to thank the boys podcast for filling in for, for me last week since uh, yeah. I was a couple couple people uh, from our bowling community and we went and watched the F1. So I'm still in a little bit of recovery mode, but doing a little bit of a well. daze. Yeah. yeah. I got to give them credit. They threw together a show that actually was not as shambles as I thought it was going to be. I love it. Maybe <laughs> they had some with last minute. Like, yeah, plans. they had some good conversations. Tyler put some really good stuff on the wheel there. So the that was fun. good. And our little overlay to start, we and a little shameless plug of the 5PL merch store is now oh. open. So if you have a favorite team that you want to get some merch, I know there's like lots of really cool things, crewnecks, t-shirts of all the teams. So check that out. I know it's been posted awesome. all over Facebook. So yeah, good start. We're cruising. Yeah. Good start. Um, couple things that happened over the last, we're now like a week behind. We had to obviously switch with the boys. So we're kind of doing our TPC recap a little bit later than we normally would. But, um, since the TPC has happened, Newfoundland ladies have done their qualifying for the open. I think they're the first province that has got their team solidified for nationals. So congratulations to those six ladies. Um, there were some great scores that came out of Newfoundland this weekend. So as we see open teams being qualified and stuff, we'll definitely keep in the loop with that. Um, I know a lot don't get to this point until later in the season, but yeah. Yeah, I, I guess our next sort of qualifying round might be Ontario, right? Like they typically do December. I think so. And Quebec is fairly early as well, usually, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and then the rest of us kind of follow in the new year. So that's awesome. Yeah, we do our Easter weekend. Um, Newfoundland ladies. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be kind of a TPC recap show. So we're going to get right to our first guest pretty quick here, but just a couple of quick things from TPC this year. We had a pretty good turnout. Like pinfall was challenging there, um, but like we still had 29 ladies play, 42 shifts thrown. So I think there was nine that averaged over 250 for the qualifying shifts, which is fantastic. And we have all of our cut makers here. Parking. Pinfall and parking was challenging. <laughs> Fair. I'll just say, but I mean, still pretty good, right? 29 ladies, 42 shifts. The, you know, nine ladies over 250. I mean, I played, I found it, you know, very challenging for me. That's two sort of consecutive times at Sherwood that I've struggled. Right. Um, but yeah, super proud of all of those ladies and how uh, tenacious some of them were. Some qualified on their first round, others took, you know, a, a few a other attempts, but right. um, that's okay. Nonetheless, it's still pretty amazing that we, um, we had sort of a, a solid uh, four qualifiers. So, yeah. So we're going to get to them a little bit later in the show, but first we have um, one of our constant supporters of five pin bowling and she's always at tournaments and hanging out and uh let's bring her in hello cindy hello how's it going we're always Good. looking for like ways to bring in like different perspectives and thoughts and support systems, Cindy, and like, 
you obviously are a huge advocate and have been for a really, really long time, not only for the sport, but for, for men and for women. And we appreciate you. And, you know, you're coming off a little bit of a celebration, um, you know, sitting alongside uh, Tim, who won the TPC. So we wanted to celebrate you a little bit um, just around all of the support that you give our community. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, obviously we owe Tim a big congratulations for winning the whole event, mm -hmm. but yes. also it's not just a long weekend for him. You spend the entire weekend in the bowling alley, uh, kind of let us know what it's like kind of watching him play all weekend, the ups and downs. We know he can sometimes be a little bit hard on himself. How do you keep yeah, him in, he, in the moment? I mean, as most people, well, maybe they don't know. I don't know. He's a, he's an emotional guy. Um, he has been struggling really bad with injuries that a lot of people just didn't know about. Um, so he's, he lacks confidence in his game all the time. So then with the injuries that he's had, it's affected his confidence even more. Um, and then, so I forced him to take some time off from ball, you know, go to physio, go do this kind of stuff. Well, it wasn't physio, but like chiropractor, massage, like all that kind of stuff. And he's been feeling good. And he did, he qualified in the first shift for the autumn open, which was different. It's usually more than one shift. And I was like, okay, yay, we can sleep in. This is perfect. And then we came into Masters and he won another set of stars there. And watching him bowl in that Masters, it was like watching a whole different Tim. And then I thought, I'm really excited to see how TPC's going to go. And then he qualified in the first shift again. And I was like, okay, here we go. And I kept saying, how's the body? How's the body? Do I need to, what do we need to do? Do you need oils? Do you need the massage gun? Like, what do you need? And he's like, no, I'm good. And I was like, you're going to tape your knee. And he's like, no, I'm like, you're going to tape your knee. <laughs> so Tyler taped his knee. So that was good. And then he had his first match against Scott Rice. Is that Scott Rice? Yep. Yeah. And I felt okay. I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. Like Scott's a good guy, this, whatever. And then we play slow pitch together. Yeah, Like this is, you know, we're just going to be talking. And then he won that one. And then I seen what spot he was going in and my heart fell because I knew he was playing Dexter. And I was thinking, oh my goodness gracious. Not that I don't think that he can beat, that he couldn't beat Dexter. It's just, He's playing his brother and that's an emotional match yeah and i'm just like oh my goodness and i mean as much as you want to cheer for both of them obviously i'm going to cheer for tim so then that was going on and then the machines broke down, or the scoring system thing scoring. Broke down. so then you know the, the proprietors they're running the tournament they're doing all this and then they have to deal with that plus bowl and i'm thinking oh my goodness gracious um i think tim was able to I don't know if handle it a little bit better maybe like dex got really stressed right over, right away and then he won that match and i was like okay maybe this feeling that i have going on is going to go away and it just got worse and worse as the day went and i kept saying to everybody i've never had an anxiety attack or a panic attack or a heart attack but i feel like that's what i'm having and 
So I drank and that didn't help either. And then he, it just kept getting worse throughout the day. And I kept looking at him and he was reassuring me. He would look at me and be like, it's okay. We got this. I got this. And I'm thinking, I am the crappiest girlfriend ever because I should be looking at him being like, you got this. And I'm sitting there like a deer in headlights, just like freaking out. And so now looking back, I'm like, was it like a sign? Was it like I knew? And because I've, in the four years of watching him, I've never had those feelings ever. I've had a couple of matches where I'm like, oh God, I hope he does this or whatever, but I've never had that feeling before. Yeah. Every like time it. I looked over, yeah, every time I looked over at you, you had like tears in your eyes and you're like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. No, I was like, it was a hot mess. I was like, emotional. you were a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> emotional. And then, and thank God for Helena because it got, by the time I think he was playing his mark for the second time, I couldn't watch. I could watch, I would watch Tim bowl, but I couldn't watch what the other opponent was doing. So I would just turn away and, and I could go by the here of everything. And I was like, Oh, they punched. Okay. The door's open. Here we go. Yeah. It was horrible. Okay. It was a hot mess. Yeah. Cindy, you're more than a great cardigan sweater. <laughs> Cause you wear a lot okay. of great cardigan sweaters, but I think this is a great segue to some of the heartfelt messages that you have posted on Facebook about Tim. So oh. that whole journey on Facebook, and there's been several, Talk to us a little bit why that is important for you to voice. So I do it. What does Dexter call me? Um, Tim's Chihuahua. Um, <laughs> I do it because I want him to see like what I see and what everybody else, everybody else sees. sees when they're not making fun of him um, in hopes that maybe through the feedback and the comments, maybe he'll be like, you know, like with every, maybe one out of every 20 messages, it might register to him. And he'd be like, maybe I am worth it. Maybe, maybe like I can do this. So it's more of like a kick in the butt to see if it will help him. And for those people that keep wanting to bug him, people are going to bug him all the time. I bug him too. But for the people that are constantly saying he's washed up, He's a has been. Is he going to be good again? It's kind of my screw you. Yeah, stick it to is. him. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's lovely that you do that. Not only for you as a couple, just your confidence that you give Tim, and just that positivity, just standing <laughs> beside him. But also, more importantly, that that kind of voice for the community, I also think, is really big because it even though it is directly between you and him, specifically yeah. for him, I think it actually goes outside of that. And it gives people an opportunity to kind of see that, almost like a self-reflection. Um, not that you're speaking to them specifically, but like, yeah. I, like I read them, I, I have some development in learning through some of that personally, and I hope others do as well. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, because we know that you're a huge supporter of Tim, but also of Five Pin Bowling. You're one of the Dream Crusher sponsors. Um, you're at every tournament weekend that we've ever seen in the last five years. But you also play bowling yourself, which is more chat. Like you, <laughs> you do. 
And you've had some success and you've come a long way in your own game. Like you've been putting a lot of time and practice into your own game and trying to better it. It's like being around these tournaments, watching Tim, does that give you the motivation to put the work into your own game as well? Um, sometimes it does because I remember the first time you guys have that, um, the boxing day tournament and he asked me to be his partner and I was like, no. And he's like, why? And I was like, you're, like you can bowl like I'm gonna embarrass you like there was no way and so then I was like I don't want to be like that person that he feels he has to bowl with just because he's dating me like I want to be able to come in and like carry my own and then it turns out that I end up carrying him anyways so yeah you rocked at that tournament you like 100% put him over your shoulder and carried him along yeah <laughs> if it's no tap I'm your girl yeah fair. <laughs> so Cindy what are you working on right now in your own game well, I was mentioning, um, I have turned into, well, I'm trying, I've turned into a spot bowler. Is that what you guys call it? You look at yep. a mark. Yeah. Yep. So for 14 years, I've been bowling 14 years. Um, I've just looked at the pins and I've already had enough people tell me that I'm bowling wrong because I bowl bocce style. And then they're like, well, where do you look? And I'm like, I look at the pins. And they're like, that's not what you're supposed to do. And I've had many people many, many people try and correct me and it's, it's not happening. And then yeah. my game this year, I finished last season on such a high that I just expected I was going to start the season that same way. And it, it didn't. And so I got really frustrated. And then um, Tony said to me, can you just amuse me for a minute and just try this? Try. Yeah. And I was like, I know where my spot is. Sean has told me where my spot is. I know where it is. I just don't want to do it. And everybody always says, why do you want to look at 60 feet away rather than 15 feet? I'm like, I don't know. I can't see close anyways. That's why we're, that's why we're gossips. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried it the other night and it went really well. Awesome. And then last night it did not go well, but I There's did ups not. And downs. Yeah. But I did not go back to looking at the pins I stayed with it and I'm nice. going to keep trying it and then we'll see how it goes but it yeah. it makes sense like I actually get what everybody's saying now fair yeah like and I was on any... maker and I wasn't even nervous because I kept telling myself as long as you hit your spot you're fine whereas before I'd be like oh, I don't know where this ball is gonna go but <laughs> I think we all feel that way sometimes right? <laughs> yeah. fair so, well yeah. just as we wrap up with you, any goals for the season or anything that you have kind of your set, sights set on for this year? Well, I'm going to keep trying the spot bowling thing. And then if it continues to go, not like last night, but how I was starting and how it goes, then right. maybe the open will be on the list. We'll see. Mm -hmm. I had a little taste of it that one year and... I'm looking to maybe make it a better experience. So, yeah. Amazing. And of course, I'll just be there cheering Tim on and everybody else. And You're not I'm just there cheering Tim on. <laughs> you are there while cheering Tim on. Yes. But not yes. just. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us tonight yes. and chatting Thanks with us a little me. bit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll see you at the next tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know when yeah. it is. I, Dream Crushers, December 10th. Oh, no, I won't be there that one. I'll actually miss that one. Oh, no. Okay. No, <laughs> President duties. 
Fair. Fair. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon, Cindy. All right. Thanks, ladies. Okay. Good luck, Cindy. Bye. Thanks. All right. Uh, so now we can kind of switch gears a little bit to some of our guests who have been playing in some of these events as well. Um, our first guest that we have has been on our show before. We love to have her. She's always got, she's always been having so much success um, qualifying 30 seconds. She shot a 21.47. Let's bring How's it Hello. going, Josie? Good. How are you guys? Good. I'm going to put this up. I'm not going to forget it this week. Nice. There we go. <laughs> there we go. The ticker. The ticker. Um, so congratulations on another WCBT cut. And Thank also you. being awarded the last year's Female Player of the Year. I think that was just handed out like recently at yeah. Autumn Open. No, I got it at TPC. Oh, at TPC. I'm, oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah, so, um, yeah. so off to a great start of the season. How's things been going? Good. You know, I uh, took a couple months off there during the off season and then came back. And like Cindy was saying, she started end of the season on a high. I just kind of expected that to keep going. It's, uh, it's not how things work. <laughs> and I, I learned that lesson pretty quick. Um, but you know, being back into like the, uh, the competition and like the t physical tournament mode of it, ugh, I missed it. Like taking that little bit of time off makes such a huge difference. Yeah. I should but Fresh I had mind. to. <laughs> I definitely saw like aspects of like, here's what I know about Josie. Never give up Josie. At TPC, we watched on the Sunday and there were plenty of time where you were down in your matches. And it's just this unrelentless force within you, Josie, where I saw at the end, like, where, where you actually came back and you won some matches when it didn't, it didn't look like it was going to go your way. So I think that's pretty remarkable to watch, like, as um, somebody who's, like, watching you, um, just how tenacious you are. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how did you prepare for this, you know, for the TPC? Um, has there been many games? Is it league? Are you practicing outside of that right now? Um, as like before TPC, I was honestly just throwing league um, and I was struggling during league. So coming into TPC, I, I didn't know how it was gonna go. If I'm being completely honest with you, I was fully expecting to double shift my confidence like it was, it was gone. It wasn't there. Um, and then I threw that Friday afternoon shift and I don't know, something just clicked in my brain, whether it was, you know, the fact that my dad sponsored me for that first shift and I didn't want to go and pay another $220 out of my own pocket, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Something just clicked in my brain and it was like, I had never left. Like I hadn't been struggling at home, but it was, yeah, I don't know. I hadn't they, really up until it was just like, thank you, Dad. Yeah. yeah, right. Thank you. He's always there. He's right <laughs> behind you. I, I'm sure that really helps. Like averaging yeah. two sixty eight two like in one shift is is amazing for for anybody, Josie. So I think that's um, awesome that you did that. 
Thank you. Yeah. So when we look at your TPC, so after you averaged the 268 to make the cut, you ended up having to play in the play-in round because with TPC only top 24, I believe, make it right in. Uh, yeah. And then uh, so in that you ended up beating Robert Tompkins with a 695 to 620. Then on the A side, the total pinfall side, you ended up beating Bradley Tickcat and then losing in the second round to Sylvain. And then you had to play Brad again in the best two of three. And then and that one, he was able to beat you. Do you have after playing the same person in both sides? So you kind of have that part the same. Is there one of the formats, one of the sides that you prefer the best two of three versus pinfall? I'd rather pinfall. Um, During that first match against Brad, I think I was down like 80 going to that last game. And I sat down. I was like, yeah, this would be cool if I could, you know, take out Brad. That'd be be fun. That would be fun. Let's go go with 340. And then again, something just clicked in my brain. And I was like, "Why, why can't it be me? Why can't I be Brad? And then I came back with like an 80 pin deficit and beat him and then played him on the B side and he crushed me. It, it is what it is. <laughs> For sure. So <laughs> when, yeah, I'll be fair. When you think about like when you're playing in these tournaments, like all these WCBT events, you're playing against people who sometimes their name carries a lot of weight. They have a lot of success. They're kind of one of those presents on the lane that people know their name, people know their game. They know they can shoot. Does that kind of affect your mindset a little bit when you're going into those matches? Or is it something that motivates you? Um, I think it's more of a motivation thing. Like, don't get me wrong. If I see I matched up against, like, Weber, I'm like, mm, I'm, re- I'm really going to have to fight for this one. But, you know, like, over the past few years and, like, my national experience this summer really made me, like, disassociate the name from the game. Like, I know I'm here for a reason. I made the cut. I'm just as good as any of these other players. Like, it, it's, it's anybody's game at any given point. Like, the playing match against Robert, probably the longest three games him and I have ever played in a match play <laughs> stuff. It took us almost an hour and a half to throw three games. Right. But, right? It's anybody's game any given day. So, I don't think, for me, the name is really get in my head anymore I think I've passed that as a player Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense so you've also had quite a bit of success like outside of WCBT this last little bit um there was the Saskatoon Fall Classic that you just ended up winning yeah uh 420 at Pro League Masters Stars on this last weekend that we just had like tons of success throughout the season. Uh, Is there something that you're like enjoying playing more than other things or something that you're like really motivated with? I, I love the pro league, you know, like our team just clicks really, really well. I'm very fortunate for that. Um, Masters. I've, I've always loved playing masters and I don't really have a preference. Like if it's, match play scratch best two or three as long as i'm on the lanes i'm happy i mean for the love of the game right josie yeah like, exactly. always been really good but like what is the thing that you think has just gotten you like over the hump or where you felt like you were 
I always like understanding where people are at in their game. And so obviously you've had uh, a wild, wild ride the last couple of years. So I just want to know, what do you, what do you think it was? Like, is it the dedication to the game? Is it more playing? Is it more defined goals? Like I'm just throwing things out there, but yeah. Um, you know, I think personally for me, for like being able to bowl different styles, like league, pro league, masters, the open, that kind of thing, having all those different experiences myself at such a young age, like I'm only 24, right? I'm still so young in the grand scheme of things of this game. And I think just everything that I have experienced already has just helped me reach that next level having conversations with people like yourself Tracy and like you know Tyler and Adam and all those little friends and little tidbits that I have picked up along the way even just going to the lanes and watching the shift watching good bowlers I honestly strongly believe makes you a better bowler and I will always stand behind that you pick up on little mannerisms that you don't even realize you pick up on just by watching people who are, I guess, better than you, for lack of a better term. How does it make you feel, like, now that you get to play, like, some of these, you know, big events and you're playing, you're playing in the cut, you're playing on Sunday, I mean, you've been playing at a high level for, like, nationals, but does that drive a little bit of a personal tick for you? Oh, for sure. Um Especially, like, going back to that Brad match, you know, it was just something just clicks. And it's that little bit of motivation, like, oh, if I get two in a row here, I'm only X amount back. I can still make this respectful. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what I said at the beginning. I saw you play the match against Robert. You don't throw a four-bagger in that third game. I think it was a four-bagger you threw. It might have been in five. He couldn't. Like, no offense, he's amazing, and we all love yeah. him. But, like, he couldn't yeah. keep up. And that's why you won that match. And then the game against Brad, you were down significantly, and you would have thought, okay, this is over. And you basically in your head battled went, back. no, yeah, you battled I was- back. I watched it. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing that, like, as you were saying that you had all these different experiences at such a young age, you're training your body. Every time you put yourself into a situation that tests your mental game, that tests your drive, that tests all of those, your focus in different situations. It's no different than when we like, when you have people who are working out training their muscles, they don't just do the same exercise to get stronger. They have to train their body in different ways. And I think that's what you're doing with your game too. You're putting yourself in different match play. You're putting yourself in different situations where you're playing against people who challenge you and challenge your game and challenge your mindset. So I think that's a really good way of just making sure that that your game is always growing too. Yeah. And like no one match play is the same from the other, no format, no same tournament is the same. So I think that has really helped me break through that barrier of the next level that I want to be. We, we love the heart that you have. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing to watch and a uh, pure example. Honestly, I know you're young, but it's still your pure example for the ladies who want to play at an elite level 
or a non-elite level and they're still driving to like you know be their best and obviously we want to thank you for that this is a you know a, a, a ladies podcast and we like to empower and make sure that we're you know driving that message and uh josie strong is beautiful and you're it thank you i will forever be an advocate for this sport especially with like especially ybc do it you never know right you never you try i'm 34 years older than you (laughs) and i still learn from you tpc weekend i appreciate that that means a lot tracy yeah it's a good thing about this game there's always ways to improve always ways to grow and to challenge yourself right nobody out there don't do the math (laughs) (laughs) so as you look ahead to the season i mean we're not quite halfway done the season at this point any goals that you have looking ahead i know you had a big season last year yeah hard to stop but i think for me right now um master singles just having one um another two sets of stars um that's obviously a goal in my mind and then also open ladies singles would be amazing <laughs> that would be really cool sure. to do double singles this year you're setting yourself up nicely yeah thank you mm-hmm. well i'm sure that we are going to see you know we still have three more cash tournaments on the wcbt tour this year so i'm sure we're going to see a lot more amazing things out of you this season both in the cash tournaments as well as masters and the open. I mean, you never seem to disappoint. So um, congratulations on a fantastic season so far. And I hope it continues as you continue on. Thank you. Thanks, Josie. We love you, Bill Brooks, as well. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. Oh, a little happy there with the trigger button uh so we get to move from someone who we've seen on our cash tournament circuit for quite a while to someone who has made their first cut in the wcbt which is fantastic um let's bring her in hello akira hi how's it going Good, and you? Good. We're going to brag about you, Akira. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it'll be, you'll be like, oh, no, stop talking, stop talking. <laughs> um, so qualified 17th with a 22.07. I, rem- like, I was sitting at dinner going over scores when you were playing this qualifying shift, and after the first three games, you were averaging, like, you had a thousand eight for three, which is wild. Um, and as soon as like that started happening, we were all of us sitting at the table. were just like, yep, like not surprised at all. So um, a side, you ended up playing Ryan O'Callaghan, B side, Adam Weber. I watched that Adam Weber match and you gave him a run for his money. Like it was close after that first game. So um, absolutely wild, but we definitely have some questions for you. So starting with Thursday night, uh, how did you like the ladies' invitational format, the match play style and one on a lane? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I was really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, it, it didn't live down the expectations. 
And it was a really good match, obviously. <laughs> and you. Yeah. It um like our match was definitely one that was high up there. I know that some of the people who were watching were kind of going, if she was playing anybody else in that first round, you would have been easily through the first round, but um, still fantastic bowling. And then we move into your Saturday qualifying shift. How did it feel to start off that strong? Um, it was kind of like, I don't know, it was like a relief that I like had something to build off of. And I didn't have to like stress about it going into like the middle of the game. I just had to hold on. <laughs> it it definitely looked effortless. Um, and that's really interesting. Did it feel effortless for you, Akira? Um, yeah, like I went up to my dad and I was like, I wish I it felt this easy all the time. <laughs> like it just Why? felt really easy. And then, yeah, I don't know. So when you had that really good start, did it change your mindset? Like you kind of said, you just have to hold on. Did it put pressure on you that you had to hold on? Or did it kind of just make it so that you could just coast through and you could just throw an easy shot and not really have to stress too much? Um, I think the only thing that was really stressing me out was the 225 pot. <laughs> and then I ended up going out of it the next game. So I was like, okay, whatever, just... And then I was like, yeah, you just have to throw like 230s, 250s, like from here. And I knew I could do that. So I just was like trying to stay calm. Yeah, for sure. The 225 pot adds a whole other layer to it. Yeah, it does. And like it almost becomes the tournament within the tournament. Like you just want to stay in the 225 pot. Yeah. So Akira, you mentioned the word expectations like earlier on when we first got on with you. Do you have fairly high expectations of yourself or do you feel they're in place, if that makes sense? Um, I feel like like my goal for that weekend was to make the cut. So I feel like, I, well, I set the right expectation. But um, once it got to Sunday, like I just wanted to win one match. So I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to do that. And it just didn't go the way that I wanted to because I put the pressure on myself. But mm -hmm. I'll tell you, Ryan was pretty nervous <laughs> into that match. And I'm sure he might be listening. He often listens to our podcast, but um, he he definitely felt the threat of Akira and Seth. And so that's pretty honorable, right, to know that somebody knew that he needed to uh, rise to the level. And that's actually someone who's been there quite often. So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of people that feel that same, like, I wouldn't say fear, but like that, uh, oh, playing Akira, right? Like I know even for myself in Ladies Invitational, when like we were picking names and stuff, yours was definitely on that list of people. I was like, oh, I really hope I don't see her first round. Like I just not, not wanting to put myself in that position just yet. But, um, and I know that you're just going to continue to grow in your game. It's wild at such a young age, how much success you're already having. When you're going into these, tournaments and so now you have a taste of kind of what Sunday looks like how 
did you kind of prepare yourself for that moment? Like you said, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Did you, were you trying to kind of talk yourself down a little bit or was there something going through your head while you were going through that process? Um, well, for Sunday, I was just trying to, I don't know. I wasn't going to expect to win. So I was just like trying to have fun with it, if that makes sense. So I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have much preparation for that. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was kind of like, oof, when I went in there. But yeah. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> There's not really any way to describe it. I was just like overwhelmed. Fair. Your parents, Tracy and Lynn, play a huge role, a supportive role. Talk to us a little bit about what that means for you, that you have both your mom and your dad there for you all of the time. Um, I, it's for, for sure helps. Like I lean more on my dad when it comes to bowling because I feel like he just knows what to say. Um, but yeah, bowling with him the first shift was nice because, um, you know, if I needed to talk to him, he was just right there. And then um, the second shift, I kind of just like had a feel for it. So I didn't really need to talk to them. But when, when I need to talk to them, they're there. So it's nice. It's awesome. Yeah. I know I got to have a couple conversations with your mom throughout the weekend and she was proud mama watching. Pacing a little bit at times. Pacing a little bit. But just like so proud, which is really, yeah. you don't necessarily see it all the time. They keep it probably pretty uh, tight when they're watching you, but um, yeah, pretty incredible to watch. So from this tournament, what are some things that you kind of were able to have as a takeaway or like a lesson that you've learned that you can carry forward on into the rest of your season? Um, well, like now I know I can make a cut, so I'm hoping to like build off of this and make more. And if I do, like I want to be more prepared for the Sunday I want to have a stronger mindset going into those matches and um, yeah, hopefully go further, go deeper in the tournament. You played a few shifts, Akira, which is awesome. Yeah. You keep trying, keep trying and that's good. But did you feel tired at all? Like, do you think um, that kind of affected where you were on Sunday? Um, I don't know about like physically, but I was like mentally pretty exhausted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Physically, Tracy, she's like a million years younger than us. I was told that I'm old enough to be her mom when we played each other. So like so I'm a physically, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole family affair right here. But uh, physically, she's she's good. <laughs> Not like us where her back hurts after like a whole I know, right? shift. Oh my goodness, Akira. So what's like, what's next? We still have like a, like a whole, almost a, feels like a whole year left. We're just really at the beginning yeah. of the season. So uh, what's next? Like what's next? There's a lot coming. What does your season yeah, look there's like? A, there's a lot coming up. Um, this weekend I have uh, YBC Provincials. So I'm excited for that. And then after that, I'm going to Winnipeg. So mm -hmm. see what happens there hope to play all the tour events this year if I can make it out. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you a member of the WCBT, Akira? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. We love that. <laughs> Amazing. And once you make one cut, they all just kind of start rolling in. Yep. It happens. <laughs> it happens. So when you look ahead to the rest of your season, 
do you have any specific goals that you are other than like the WCBT? Like obviously now that you've made one cut, you want to make the next one and run deeper. But do you have any goals within the other tournaments that you play throughout the season? Um, well, I'd like to try and make it to nationals this weekend and then hopefully defend my title. Um, other than that, just like, yeah, keep on the WCBT events and just if I can make it out to the Diamond Ladies Classic, I'd also like to do well there. And yeah. Congratulations once again on being the high ladies qualifier for TPC. <laughs> That's an incredible, incredible accomplishment, Akira. Thank you. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for a little chat about your first cut. They like just let it sink in. It's a great feeling. And I know you're going to have so many more of just having that success because um, already such a force to be reckoned with. So thank you very much. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Okay, See bye, ya. Kira. Just had a comment come in. She's so humble. <laughs> she is just like, <laughs> yeah, maybe not beautiful. the Len part, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, just so nice to play. Like whenever I get to kind of have chats with her on the lanes and stuff, just always so, so fantastic to talk to. Um, all right. We can just keep cruising along. We have our next qualifier. Find the right thing here. Uh, another one who's been on our show before. We'll bring her in. Oh, one. Oh. <laughs> just call me Carrie at that point. Wow. Carrie. <laughs> Let's try that again here. Wow, when you press the right video, it works so much better. <laughs> and then Jenna appears. <laughs> and then Jenna appears just like that. Wow. Oh, I'm gonna get razzed for that one pretty good. But well, okay. welcome to the podcast, Jenna. <laughs> hello, hello. Not the best intro from Katie. I've seen better eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I've also seen better. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, congratulations on another tour cut. Uh, qualified 36 with a 21-37. Um, and then you ended up playing the play-in round. To yeah. kind of get into that top 20, top 32? Yeah. Top 32. Uh, and that didn't go your way, but still an accomplishment when we, whenever you make a cut in this kind of field, it's still an accomplishment. So congratulations yeah. for that. Thank you. Um, walk us through a little bit. How was your qualifying shift? Um, I played twice. So I did have to qualify. So I played Friday morning and then I did play Saturday morning. Um, Friday morning, it was going well. I had one bad game that kind of just, I just missed the cut kind of thing. Um, and then on Saturday, it definitely felt a lot better. Things were rolling more like my own game. Um, I know I came to you, Katie, for the last game of just trying to squeak in. I had set myself up pretty good. I just kind of had to throw a game and finish, um, yeah. most of you know that I, once I'm stressed, I press quite a bit and I was pressing. So I needed Katie to calm me down a little bit, but um, finished it and just snuck into the end of it. So it's 
it's always a good feeling to make the cut. So does, so speaking of like, it's always a good feeling to make the cut. Does it ever change? Like, do you ever feel, you know, now that you've made multiple cuts over the last couple of seasons, like, does it feel less pressure or less nerve wracking when you make a cut? Does that feeling ever change? Um, I mean, other than autumn open this year and then TPC, it had been a couple of years when I made my first cut. So, um, once you do make it, it definitely feels easier because you're like, okay, I've made the cut. I've made a cut. It's easier to kind of get yourself into that position. Um, but then once you've made the cut, it's still, you still have to put your best feet forward and play your game in order to move on. So kind of still differentiating like after, oh, I've made the cut, but I still need to play can be hard. Um, especially different formats, different change it. So still being in the right mindset for it. It's hard. What I've noticed about you, Jenna, uh, lately, I'm going to say probably in the last two years, is just this level of consistency. Um, that's what I've noticed. And again, you're really young, so you <laughs> haven't on, honestly been playing um, adult for very long. But mm-hmm. we talk about like your mat, what's happened at Masters last year, what's happened in the first two events at Masters, your cut at Autumn Open, um, the cut here. Like there's just this level of consistency. Do you think you always had that level of consistency and maybe a teachable moment in terms of your game uh, for the rest of us? Um, the consistencies definitely come more in the last couple of years. Um, I think it's definitely played into my confidence. Um, I haven't been as confident coming into adults just because it's a whole other realm and now playing in adults and consistently um succeeding kind of matching those idols i've had has made it easier to be consistent because i've been in that position enough times um but i've i've had a lot of help from just the mental side of it to be consistent i think that's my weakest spot is not having the mental um strength to kind of push myself so I think that's where most of it's come from to be consistent for me. That mental readiness, where are you getting that from? That's my first question. And my (laughs) second question is, is that coming from role models or do you have role models and advocates in the game that, that that's helped you the last couple of years? Um, kind of both. I've taken to, I mean, you've seen Ty with me. Ty's always been, in my corner from day one since we've been young and he's definitely been that um person that i can go talk to just even if it's not about bowling he calms that mental side of me so that i can focus on what needs to happen on the lane and then when i'm not on the lane it's all fun and games so that i'm not uh, thinking about it too much um i've always looked up to you you both jen baker heidi the the side that is so calm on you guys with the lanes it's what i try to strive for because you can't not that you don't want to be a mess on the lanes but once you physically see that someone's calm it's easier to kind of follow that um but there's been a lot of help in off the lanes of people and um me just talking to them even dexter dexter's a big one for me um just talking to people has helped um make it easier for me for sure. 
as you're like playing against some of these people and you're in these tournaments, is there things that you're kind of looking for in the people who are playing around you that you're picking up on? Like you kind of talked about that calmness when you're playing with some, but like even when you're playing with some of these men, is there things that you're like really trying to pull from their game and learn from? Um, kind of, the men not so much just because I think they they have a more aggressive way to do it, and I'm not an aggressive bowler in terms of the after effect of it, I guess. Um, with the ladies, we'll throw a shot and like we'll celebrate in a more calm way, and I think getting riled up in a calm way is good, but still, if you're throwing a bad shot, like having that composure instead of, no offense to the men, but they do kind of, you see it a little bit more. Um, so staying, just like in the calm, <laughs> having calm is good, I think, but yeah. Do you think yeah. that's just in your, I want to pick at this a bit. Do you think that's just in your DNA or how, like how you were raised in the sport as a youth? Or is that something that you saw as a, a young individual in the sport looking at already maybe the adults? And that was just a reflection of perhaps how you portray yourself? Um, I had to work to be calm. When I was young, I was very emotional and a lot of people know that. Um, I can still get emotional now. And again, people know that, but I think because I was so emotional when I was younger, it hindered my game a lot. And I had to learn to stay calm in such, um, big moments. And then I've seen it, so I've tried to portray it as well. But it's it was it was learning curve for me. It was definitely something I had to fight to do. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Keep working on that, right? Because then, <laughs> as you work through that, then I think the excellence continues to happen and even gets stronger. Yeah, for sure. And I think we kind of touched on it with Josie even a little bit too. The more you put yourself in those situations, the more you have to throw that pressure shot or that big moment ball, and it, you continue to like practice and work out your ability to be calm in those situations, to take that deep breath and execute, throw that confident shot. Mm -hmm. The more times you do that, the more confidence comes from it, right? Like, oh, yeah. you know, when, when we're in those big moments and we don't execute, that's going to like, it's harder to work through that, but you've had a lot of success where you've been in those moments and you have thrown the shot, you have been able to execute. And so that you could just keep building on that confidence piece yeah. from there. I was going to say, I agree with one of the things Josie said is being in different events, whether it's WCBT, Masters, Open, League, you're in so many different environments that you have to be able to um, adapt. adapt to it. And it's the biggest thing. So playing everything, it helps. For sure. Um, so in thinking about like different environments, I'm going to kind of ask a question here about tournaments, like some of these WCBT events. We have some of the tournaments where it's just a straight cut, you know, your top 48 or your top 32, just make the cut. And then we have some of our events that have that play in round. Does that alter your mindset right from the qualifying? Like I'm shooting for the top 24, so I don't have to do the buy-in. Do you kind of just play it as normal? There's not really much difference. Like how does that affect your preparation and your mindset going into those tournaments? Um, in all honesty, I kind of forgot that TPC was a plan. <laughs> I forgot that it changed the year before. So I think because I I hadn't made a TPC cut yet, 
I was working to just make a cut. Even if it meant in playing in, I was willing to do it because it means I make a cut. Um, but once you're kind of in that zone of, oh, I could could have played better to get past that and then not have to do the play-ins does make a difference. I know Tyler, he had made the cut. He was already um, in, but then decided, hey, I want to play to shoot higher and make it into the top 24. That takes a lot of gut and like you have to have the right mindset for it. And I think personally, I just wanted to make the cut. I had only made uh, Red Deer and Autumn Open. So for me, it was just making a cut, shooting that 21, whatever um, was mostly what I was going for. And then once you get into the play in, though, it's a whole other world, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I'm being honest. So when you say the play-in is a whole other world, like when you made the autumn open cut, you played phenomenally. And then the play-in this tournament, obviously it didn't go your way. How did it feel different doing that like play-in event versus just being part of the cut and going? Um, because you're not guaranteed to continue on, you press. And it's what I do. So the autumn open it kind of was a little different because you have eight games to still make top 16 where this is you have three games to get your shit together excuse my language but <laughs> just to pretty much get it together and um i couldn't and it's as simple as that where you were either on or you're off and it just it, you have a shorter amount of time to kind of figure it out whereas the other ones is you've got a little more wiggle room to make up for whatever you didn't do well in a previous game where this is you have to be on. So yeah, that's where the formats yeah. are so interesting, right? Of the different mm -hmm. events. Yeah. And I always it find it everyone a who, chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always find it interesting who prefers like one format versus another. Um, just because there is such differences and like, not to mm -hmm. say that one's better or worse than others, but it just depends, like you said too, about your own personal game and kind of knowing where your strengths and your you know, areas you want to grow are when you only have a few games or a few frames to figure something out for some people, that's something that they're trying to work on versus others are really good at just like making that quick fix. Right. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I know autumn open was easier cause I had eight games and then when you have, well, I mean, three... also you were like on fire at autumn open. <laughs> <laughs> it felt good. It felt good at auto autumn open and this, like this one didn't feel nearly as good. So it was, trying to get into that groove too. So yeah, for sure. Um, when you look ahead at your season, what kind of goals do you have for the rest of the season? Um, obviously masters we're playing um, in January. So I would like to go for singles and trying, but it's hard out here, obviously. And you both know that. <laughs> um, I would like to also obviously the open lady singles would be great again, but ladies team for sure. And then um, the rest of the WCBT, I'm not doing Winnipeg, but the other two um, would be great. So amazing. Some great goals. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know personally, I hope you have continued to have success this season, especially because it benefits me as well a little bit <laughs> when, you, when you do good <laughs> little bias <laughs> little bias here but uh definitely you know we've seen such amazing growth from you in the last few years and you've just 
you've hit that point of being just a, such a consistent force, no matter what tournament you're playing. So um, it's been so fun to watch and thank you. Hopefully it continues. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, thank we'll you for see having you soon. Keep me yeah, strong, Jenna. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we have one more lady to talk to. Very nice. Uh, another first cut. I'm going to make sure I click the right commercial this time, and then uh, we'll bring her in. Nailed it. Nailed it. it was <laughs> seamless. We had problems. <laughs> we had a few problems. We'll step back, but we're good now. We're good. Oh, Welcome to the show. Hi. How's it going? Oh, it's going. Bit of bit of <laughs> was crazy. Got out late. Oh no. <laughs> well, we'll do kind of a little recap of your TPC weekend and then we'll ask you some questions about it. But qualified 21st with a 2185, average 273. You, like Akira, had a fantastic start to your qualifying shift with your first three games. You had a 984 triple which is unreal. It's so good. Um, so you just were able to go right into the brackets. And uh, on the A side, the total pinfall side, you ended up making it through the first round and beat Carrie with 769 to 755 and the most clutch three pin spare I think I've ever I seen. I've heard that like 17 times because Carrie keeps talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, if you had to throw a three pin spare to beat anybody, that's the person to do it again since he's like the king of three pin spares or well, no, he's the king of three pins, not sparing them. Uh, and then ended up losing to Mark Johnstone in that side. And then on the best two of three ended up playing Mike Tweedy and he won uh, one, two games to one. So yeah. How was the tournament in general, like kind of overall feelings about it? Uh, I mean, it was kind of funny because definitely I went in there on the Friday and I was all like, I'm bowling one shift. And if it's not good enough, we're going home. It's fine. I'll come watch. And it had been a rough start to the year. So it was pretty nice to go out there and actually throw well on the Friday. And then Sunday, I was just a ball of stress. It was pretty funny. I had to keep reminding myself to breathe probably every single frame. <laughs> You uh, didn't look they went that, like three and they were like two people on a lane. And all I remembered was, okay, I think someone bowls frame one, then the next person bowls two and three and I'm standing there and Carrie's bowling. And I'm kind of like, so there's two people. How does this work? And they're like, no, you can just bowl. <laughs> it's just normal at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I well, amazing. You must be so proud of yourself. First of all. Yeah. Uh, it was very good. It was a very proud moment because the year did not start off great. Yeah. I mean, we're proud of you. That's an incredible score, averaging 273 in the one shift. And I watched you that shift as well. I did a lot of watching, no, like little bowling. So I was on the <laughs> other side of the lanes, but um, you were super consistent. And you did, you looked like just comfortable for that qualifying shift. Yeah. I was going to say, even on the Sunday, like I was able to watch a couple of your matches on the Sunday and you're saying like, I had to keep reminding myself to breathe. You didn't look it like you looked yeah. like in control. You were like, 
going up, executing your shots, coming back, and you looked in control of your emotions. You looked in control of your game. So it's pretty funny. I'm glad it didn't look as bad as it felt. <laughs> I love that for you, though, because this is what we've been advocating on this podcast all of the time, right? It's like the learning experience and giving her opportunities to like play in these events. Um, you know, the Diamond Ladies Classic being, you know, a specific event just for, for her only. So the fact that, you know, you've kind of gotten over a bit of a hurdle in the last uh, two years is pretty incredible. So, I mean, your runway is fast and furious if you keep at it. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's It was a weird year because I was going to do tournament masters and then work wasn't working and mm -hmm. I couldn't guarantee I could Saturdays off and it was just like, ugh. Yeah, especially if you've got like work um, challenges, right? <laughs> and how do you find the time to make like make the time? And then obviously, you know, all the different things like pro league, all of these different events. It's a huge it's a huge commitment. Um, are you finding like playing more events is 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 helping your game thrive? Um, it definitely is helping in some ways. I'm stressing a lot less when I get to them. I know more people, so I stop panicking that I shouldn't be there. That was a big hurdle the first couple tournaments is like, I don't know any of these people. I don't do scratch tournaments. What am I doing? It's like that imposter syndrome a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, but some of that self-doubt is going away and it's turning into a confidence builder for you. Is definitely helping. That's awesome. Yeah. And everyone in the tournaments is friendly. It doesn't matter if you bowl a terrible game, like I think TPC last year, I had a really awful 140 something. <laughs> that was, I was bowling with Mitch Davies. So that didn't help either. That's so okay. kind We've of all been there. Uh, yeah. So has Mitch. It's fine. Uh, so, so in speaking to kind of that mindset of where you're like, you know, sometimes I'd feel really like nervous. I was playing with Mitch Davies or as you're playing more of these events, is there people around you that you're able to kind of learn from or take inspiration from or just even little tidbits of things that you can implement into your own game and mindset that has helped you in the last couple of years? Because you've had such a great, successful couple of years. Well, a lot of it's like you, you meet all these people and you get to watch how everyone else does things. Like Heidi barely ever looks like she's frustrated you manage when you're stressed out and you just go up there and keep throwing the ball and pounding away at it till you take the middle out and you just watch all these people and like i don't think i've ever seen someone hit the middle as consistently as jen baker when she's on but when she's off she struggles too and just knowing that everyone is human probably was the biggest thing that helped me yeah and I think that piece there, like knowing that you're human, giving yourself grace, allowing yourself to make mistakes and not be in that mindset of like, I'm terrible, I can't do it, but giving yourself that grace to make those mistakes and realize that we all have days that we are on and we make a shift in one and we all have tournaments where we could five shift and still not make the cut, right? So mm -hmm. Just give yeah, there's, there's definitely days where you're like, this feels terrible. And you know that you just got to keep pounding through and 
then there's days where it just you just keep reminding yourself it's just throw at it just keep throwing at it and it'll work i mean the first shift for me it was the first game was like okay that felt really good i'm just gonna keep going and see what happens and then i had a really rough seventh game I think it was game seven. I had like a 178 and I was like, ooh, I cannot do that again. <laughs> but I came back and I threw another 270 to make that 2185. And I still wasn't 100% sure. They're like, no, you're bullying Sunday. I was like, yeah, there could be people that pass me. I've seen a 2200 <laughs> since I've been doing this. Fair, fair. Although it so, was a little rougher. Oh, yeah. So when you found out I'm playing Sunday morning. How did your mindset shift or like what were some of the thoughts that were going through your head when you found out I made the cut? I, a lot of it was just kind of needed to sink in. I probably took me to like one thirty, two o'clock to fall asleep. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What if I go and embarrass myself tomorrow? <laughs> oh, no. It was just good. I mean, I showed up, but, but I definitely but you didn't. You, you, we were proud. I was pretty consistent even on the Sunday. I think I averaged like a 260. So there's, I was worried the whole way through, but I went in there and it persevered. And I think that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Um, so in thinking, like you say, that's your biggest takeaway, just knowing that you can like persevere through it. Um, did you have any other takeaways from the weekend? Well, there was lots of little things that, other than I can ask questions when I don't know, because that first frame was pretty funny. <laughs> they all laughed at me. Also learned some people like their tea cold. Oh, Might have like thrown I away someone's tea. <laughs> oh, oops. <laughs> it was a really good first game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> um, so after playing both sides, because you were on the A side and B side, did you have a format that you enjoyed more the total pinfall versus the best two out of three i definitely think i liked the pinfall better but i see the benefit to the two out of three like in my match with tweedy i ended up winning pinfall but it was best two out of three and i lost by like 10 pins the one game and 20 something the second game but i won the first game by like 50. So I see both sides and it was definitely interesting to have the two sides running simultaneously. Oh. I think we just found out whose tea it was. <laughs> they realized it was he was funny. a tea drinker. Did you That's have, um, Jamie, like obviously your matches all were really good, but was there one that's just a little bit more memorable than the other? Um, I mean, honestly, they were all like, Harry's was a lot more stressful, but coming back to not let him take it away because probably halfway through game three, he was on three in a row and then he kept going. And I was like, oh, that lead is going to dwindle very quick if he keeps doing that. And then I had a couple of rough frames and then an untimely head pin. Then, of course, I had this three pin. And I'm sitting there and I was like, oh, if I don't spare this and he strikes out, I will lose by one. So, so it was a really timely mess. spare. Yeah. Because you had pretty good handle of that match going into the, well, going into the third, obviously. Yeah. You played really, really well. Yeah. And then and how really, really good last game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I did not fall apart when Johnny threw a two seven or 377 at me game one. That's huge. 
and I actually stayed close enough. Like it was a, it was a three Oh one. So I didn't have as big of a deficit as I could have for sure. And then the second game I beat him to bring it within 30. And then the third game, I just, I missed the middle a couple times, but so did he. And then I just ended up with a couple more head pins. I could have still caught him and then pulled the eighth frame. I punched. And then I was like, Oh, if he does basically anything other than throw two head pins, I can't catch him, but I could still throw two good frames and at least make it close and make him have to throw it out. And I punched nine and there was no chance anymore. Right. Right. Just going back to where you're like, I knew the math in my game. How good did it feel to know that math and then know the shot you had to throw and be able to execute it? Um, I mean, a three pin spare at Sherwood Park this year is really terrible. I yeah. think I've made six of them. <laughs> <laughs> and there's been a lot of three pins this year at Sherwood Park. It's been a rough year at Sherwood Park. So <laughs> it was like, oh, if I do not spare this, I am going to be in trouble. So knowing that I had to throw the three pin spare, I just had to take a minute and be like, okay, if I'm going to throw a good ball now is the time. Right. So, I mean, then throwing it was really relieving because it's like, okay, I can still do this. I can still be that clutch player when I need to be. Yeah, it's a big Well, shot. and I've never had to be a clutch player like that. Like, other than the Open, I've never done scratch. So, these are all new tournaments. Like, I think this is the seventh WCBT I went to. Right. Which I think, like, also, like, I... I almost forget, like last season feels like it was five years long. So maybe that's why. But like, I forget that you're still fairly new to this whole like scratch tournament world, like the open and WCBT events and just playing in that kind of format. So to have as much success as you had last year with, you know, open nationals gold and WCBT events that are the qualifying shifts are getting higher and higher and now making a cut like that's a lot of success to have in realistically a very short amount of time of playing events like this, right? I got really lucky. I had some really good teammates to carry me through when I stress out and having people behind you, especially for like the open nationals and knowing that if I wasn't doing it, Julie or Heidi or someone's on the bench to jump in, that really alleviates a lot of stress going in there and throwing that game. Having that confidence in team. Yeah. Well, we want to congratulate you on being like second high ladies qualifier at TPC. That's a really big deal. And uh, we just want to know that you're, we're proud of you for doing that. That's a huge score. That 2185, it's, it's, it's massive, Jamie. It's massive, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like my second highest eight score ever. And they're both at Sherwood Park. Amazing. <laughs> What do you have in store for the rest of the season? Any goals for as we move into the rest of the season? Well, the first quarter of the season has been rough. So I'm just hoping the rest of it kind of smooths out. I am hoping I can still arrange all the time off to go ahead and try the open again and go from there. Amazing. Well, again, selfishly, you know, an Edmonton girl here. So <laughs> it benefits me to see you get the time off work and uh, do well, but um, congratulations on a fantastic start to the season there. And hopefully it all continues as we go through. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Congratulations again. Thank you. All right. You know, common theme, like each one of them 
including Cindy, all had like one simple goal. Yeah. It wasn't like they were getting ahead of themselves, right, in terms of their goal setting, which is really interesting in this podcast today. Yeah. Yeah. No one was like, I know we kind of talked about in our goal setting one where you have to make those like the small steps. No one went from here to here. No. Everybody has like those achievable small increments that they're going with. So agreed. Maybe they've listened to our podcast before. I don't know, but I, don't, <laughs> I wrote it down. I was like, okay, what's the common theme here? I know you're going to do the closing, but I want to do like an early plug. I mean, we're months away. Diamond Ladies Classic has been posting a lot the last couple of weeks. So um, just kind of started a little bit earlier in terms of like announcing April 19th to the 21st. And weekend August, change. Yes. Note the weekend change. I was already telling people it was in June. It is not in June. Yes. It's a good call out. So it has been switched to April 19th to 21st. And obviously we'll start um, talking pretty loud about that in the new year. Yeah. Um, Manitoba Open is next week. So congrats or good luck to everybody who's going out to Manitoba Open. Uh, This is their third year, I believe, running it. And um, hopefully we see some like massive scores out of there. I know last year we had a lot of ladies playing, especially ones from the East. So uh, we're hoping that that will continue. And uh, next ladies podcast, I wrote November 20th on our sheet. It's December 20th. December 20th. 20th. I was in the middle of report card writing while I was doing December 20th is our... uh, next podcast so just before um, christmas just before christmas oh a little... i see a fancy jingle you know i know i was just i was already thinking of like hmm what mm. what kind of elves could we be this year <laughs> <laughs> you know what always enjoyable this podcast was incredible um just to kind of recap cindy josie akira uh jenna and jamie thank you for joining us on the podcast and uh, katie i love being your co-host love it too and we stayed on schedule we got the job done. Only yes. one little hiccup. So yes, <laughs> hopefully everyone has a fantastic month and uh, we can't wait till the next one. We'll see you before Christmas, everyone. Let me see if I can do it.